0: You are uh, just pull the muscle uh, now in my back ah. about to
1: witness the awesome crushing
0: a might of the you. G- it's a Robinson show. Stop it! <laughs> Sorry for those of you who don't like that. Ooh, Dizzy. Welcome, my friends, to your show that seemingly, kind of, sort of, almost never ends. This is V38. Wow, I could have had a V8. I could have had a V38. The Eugene S. Robinson Show stopper with your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Post UFC 230, we got all the goods now, good ladies and gentlemen. Is Weidman, and Woodfiles and Miss unparalleled. And it's not going to be that kind of show. If that, no shot in Flender here, my friend, something else. But before that, Stigmata. Calling of it from the record, Calling of the Just. Intro, All of Nothing. Still available from Revelation Records in Huntington Beach, California, where they hit your car with a hammer. Bob Riley about to sing the words. Set it all off. Still available. You can purchase the entire CD. You can probably listen to it somewhere online for free, but that's not the same. But here he's simple. I'm
1: on my way back nowhere. I
0: took my of- I could not see so clear. I'm taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So being paid back in full always
1: nothing. Ah, that's it. Turn the music off. All right. Uh, as usual, we're going to have a question and answer session in the middle. I'll give you the high sign. You can tweet in. This is to encourage you, of course, to a uh, to encourage you to follow me on uh, on Twitter so that by the end of the year, I get my raise. It's apparently tied into me hitting 5,000 followers by the end of the year. And yeah, I could do that bullshit thing and purchase them, but I don't want to do that. So uh, as an encouragement, uh, if you are connected to me on Twitter, you can DM me or just tweet your questions at me when I give the high sign, not before, because then I can't concentrate and I got all this stuff. People say, oh, did you do the gr-? I can see the group chat. I can see it's there. Do I turn it on? Uh, let me see. Do I turn it on? No, I, I do not turn it on. And I don't do it. To- there we go. There we go. Um, uh, because I gotta concentrate. I gotta concentrate on this. But anyway, listen, let's just start right away because uh uh like I haven't given the hindsight for the questions. You'll know you'll know when I do. If there's a problem before that though, feel always feel free to to tweet me. If you have my phone number, you could text me. But a friend of mine let's just call him Steve, was a wrestler in high school, was voted strongest hands in the county, down in Ventura County, ended up getting a football scholarship to Stanford, played football at Stanford. And uh, uh, through that all, he uh, played peewee football, and apparently was about to get drafted in the pros out of Stanford, got very terribly hurt. And, of course, as life and uh, as life would have it in those situations – when your life has gone to shit, you look look around and who's there? Eugenius Robinson. He was walk, literally walking along the street trying to figure out what to do with his life. And he's like, sees this black cat on a moped in a leather jacket with a ski cap pulled down over his eyes in September. And I see him on the moped. I go, oh, hey, that's that guy who wants to start the band. I turned around, started talking to him. Doesn't matter. He played football, played peewee ball. And, and, you know, and was apparently really talented. And his mother, you know, before soccer moms, was a football mom. And he'd jump all, you know, his teammates would be carrying him on their shoulders. They'd be, we scored the winning touchdown. We beat the team that nobody thought we would beat, Ma, Isn't that great? And his mother, she just lay in wait. Yeah, yeah. And they'd get in the car, and they'd pack all their stuff in, and he would you know, drop off the other kids, and they'd be driving back to the house of Camarillo. And he's like, wow, ma, I can't, I just can't. This is probably the best day of my life. And his mother, who I'd met, she's like the mother on uh, The Sopranos, would very quietly, intone as she drove back, Steve, yeah, yeah, ma? You ever wonder how the other team feels? And like the, the fateful cough. That doomed the Thang O'Brien the jeweler. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out Lord Dunsany, Godsman, and Ghost. But like the cough, the single cough that that damned the jewel Thango Bryan the jeweler. Same thing. Simple comment, simple query, simple question. Do you ever think of how the other side must feel right about now? And in all the whole house of cards fell down like a hundred feet of wet sand. And Steve just sat in the back of the car quiet. And so it is with the, so it is this day. You start out V38, and I'm thinking mightily about life at the Weidman household this morning. Now, there are two separate scenarios. One scenario is that he actually had the stones to bring his kid to the fight. No, that's terrible because I've seen the, the fretful look on the faces of other guys who have lost and their kids who they bring up to the fight. Speaking specifically of Anderson Silva, didn't think I'd get to that again, did you? But we're not talking about comparative misery. That's one scenario that he brings his kid. The other scenario is that he doesn't bring his kid and they wake up in the morning like Christmas. Dad, dad, how'd the fight go last night? Mom, did daddy- and but you can tell if you live in a household long enough. Every household has its rhythms and its signs and its its nonverbal cues. Mom's in the kitchen quietly making coffee, and you know. And what you know is, dad fucking lost. What you know is Superman died. That's what you fucking know. If you're if you are a a a uh if you're if you are a son or a daughter of a a Chris Weidman. That's what you know Sunday, November 4th in the morning. That's what you know. And you can see it. You can see it. All of a sudden, Maddie Sarah was like, I was looking all over for him. Don't think. We're not superstitious. I go to jujitsu competitions. If I haven't gone yet, my match is not up yet, and I see somebody lose who I know, I don't let that guy touch me. Say, like, hey, Eugene, hey. I go, hey, bro, how you doing? Ha, ha, ha. Stay over there, you fuck. Now, some people were with glee, joy, tweeting last night. There was some variation of live tweeting going on during the fight. And I tweeted some stuff, but what, what you'll note with with uh, my uh, tweets from last night is that they were not uh, full of schadenfreude. They weren't full of delight in the misery of others. I take no joy in the fact that the Gauleiter General of the Lost Battalion is still the Gauleiter General. This is not a job that this is not a job that uh, uh, that you choose. This is a job that chooses you. And so there he sits. And at first, I I was, you know, it made me feel a little bit better to to, to think that this was a little bit of kayfabe, you know, that he's just like, yeah, yeah, I know where I am. But, man, I got to keep getting paid. I'm going to talk my way into continued significance. It's not the face I saw coming into, coming through the vomitorium, which is what they call an entryway into a stadium. Won't back down. Won't back down. I, I wish my idea of walk w- uh, walk out, walk back music would take hold. Somebody have the, the theme from Benny, you know, uh, Yakety Sax, a theme from, from uh-oh. Uh, there we go. I'm not frozen anymore. The theme from Benny Hill. Oh, man, something weird is happening with my... uh Yeah, I think something weird. I'm going to close up some stuff here. Hold on one second. Um, Because I'm freezing and I don't want to. Uh, Let's just do this. Sorry, QuickTime player. You don't need to be open right now, bro. And preview you too. Uh, I don't need to be open right now. You're fucking my shit up. I could probably get out of Safari, too. Yeah, that's what it was. Safari is the one that crashed. Um, Anyway, so these guys were nowhere to be seen. You know, uh, Longo, Ray Longo was there, you know, because he's got to make sure the check clears. So he's probably sticking around. But I took no joy in what happened last night. I, it, it is, you know, there's a great line in the Woody Allen movie where he's talking to somebody and the guy just keeps rambling on. And he kind of goes, what I wish I had right now is a large polo mallet. And, and I, I, let me, let me, let me explain to you why, why this is, why this is, if Chris Weidman is a 22 year old fighter, if he's a Sage North, but what Sage North, but what Sage North, but if he's a Sage North, but you know what, man, that guy's got lots of the biggest thing I did a a, a piece for Revolver magazine on uh sorry to be so self referential this early on, but it it helps on Chuck Chuck Liddell and it ties in. And uh a Treyu. And the singer from you who said some misty-ish fucking shit. I don't know if you guys pay attention to that kind of music, but he was the singer who I've met before was making out some outlandish claims about their significance in the music world. It's like, stop it, bro. What the, do, do you see us all looking at each other before we look back at you? That means no. But when I did the piece with him, they were supposed to roll a Atreyu and Chuck Liddell. I don't know who thought this up, but it was supposed to be a cover. It was a cover story for Revolver magazine. And Chuck was healthy in his prime. And I was talking to the guy in Atreyu. I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm fucked man. I'm studying to get my, my degree. I go, oh, shit, and what? He goes, in uh, personal training. I'm like, fuck, these guys are pretty big, man. They're sporting covers, as far as I know. They sell a lot of records. and." Personal training, plan for the future. I like that. You're 22, you got to plan for the future. You lose a few fights like North, but whatever, man. I get my degree. I could go. I could ride this shit in the commercial real estate. Who knows? I could do anything. That's not what a 39 year old man is thinking. I'm sorry, Jacare is 39. <laughs> you think that this guy's going to get TV gigs? You gotta think he's going to. Get commercial gigs. You think he's gonna get a commentary? How many, how many people Paul Felder did a great job, by the way. Former, former don't care, now a care, and now a great color commentary. I fucking love him. Love him. So, like with uh where's Waldo, I'm gonna have to ask where's Jimmy Smith. That's unkind of me. Sorry. Lean against the keyboard. But I, I don't take any joy in this Chris Weidman thing. I'm going to speed this up a bit. I, I, it seems like I'm faltering. I'm not really faltering because it, 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 I, I feel a deep and abiding sorrow for this guy. I feel a, a, a deep, and of course, in that sorrow, I, it, it is partially recognition of of self sorrow, and and you know, it very very clearly, deeply held personal miseries. Right? I mean, it's like <laughs> yeah. This could happen to anybody. It's probably happened to me. I started to think that in your life, there is—it's this—is unknowable, but it, uh, unknown, but probably knowable. There, in your life, that there is probably a point at which you are your best. And I'm talking about in aggregate. How smart was I when I was ten? I was probably not not as smart as I was when I was twenty. But I was probably smarter yet at thirty. At 30, will I be smart? Most mathematicians do their best work in their 20s. Will I be smarter than I'll be at 80? Okay, well, smart's not everything. What about capable, physically capable, smart and capable? There's a spot in the timeline of your life where you can clearly peg. If somebody was paying attention, and cared enough to do so. And I'm talking about by every single outside measure. How much cash you could make. The job you had, your place in the world, your place in the world. If we had a big fucking chart with pins in it, we could chart the entirety of your life and we could. Fi- now that may still be in front of you because the future, like Hitler said, future events as yet unknown. I don't like to quote famous Nazis too often unless it illustrates my point. Any of you listening, could win the lottery. Doesn't make it make that doesn't make it, that's not a high point necessarily in aggregate. Because there are plenty of people whose lives go along, unremarkable as they are. And I, I met one guy who won a lottery. He was one of the few guys I who one of the few people, only person I knew who's won a lottery, but one of the few people who's won a lottery who who said it's the best day of my life. And my life has been fucking the shit since then. And he goes, he goes to the reunions with other lottery winners and their lives go, yep, yeah. yeah. But there was no year. That may not be the high point. That was really the beginning of the end for them. Doesn't mean it was a high point. So Chris Weidman now, you know, he came into this fight. We're talking about uh, uh, UFC 230, and I'm starting with that fight first, just because why not? He came into that fight. You could see, I mean, what were, what were, the reason why this is so bothersome to me is because this is not an issue of skill at this point. This is an issue of, of character and mind. And when he came into that fucking, you know, dead man song, yeah, because Tom Petty is dead, he's pretty back down, I'd say. You might consider, like, I don't touch people who lose. You might consider the guy who died uh, 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 of unnatural causes with multiple drugs in the system. You might consider that him singing, he won't back down. Is not how you want to go out on your shield or go in. So you know. So he comes in. He comes in to you know mark that. But there's a different thing in his face. And moreover, there's a different thing in his face. He he takes off or he reveals himself shirtless now, and there's a different thing in his body. And I see what it is. I can tell. I know from looking at bodies that he's increased his cardio. Because he believes, as many of us do, that you know guys with big muscles like Jacare they tend to they tend to fade in uh, to uh, toward the end in the home stretch. The only thing wrong with Jacare that I've been able to consistently is that his sta- he thinks his stand up is better than it is, and he had tended to to keep his hands low at, at inopportune times, and he, he his head movement was 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 lacking, which goes a in with being not good at your stand up. Not, not as good. But you know, he's a known associate of the of the Surau Academy. He's come through here and trained with us, and I refused. <laughs> it didn't seem like his command of English was good enough or strong enough for me to believe that he was actually gonna take it easy. <laughs> and I said, "Let's go light." That he was gonna. Okay, we're gonna go light. And they were also doing it. Was, uh, MMA, so it, it was MMA, so there were shots. I was like, "I take a shot from dude," and I saw him in there. And his shots were deceptively heavy, like you know, some guy. Now I'm not gonna say who was telling me that one of the Millers had hands like pillows, either Jim or Dan Miller, and uh, maybe it was Jake. I she- mean, I mean, I don't know who told me that, but Jacare, no, 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 no. So Chris comes in, and he he looks like a guy who's been putting in more road work. What does that guy look like? Not as heavily muscled, kind of rangy, you know. Lightsome, sinewy. And, and everybody starts screaming because he's, you know, he, he, keep in mind he came in after Jacare. And Jacare is doing, the, you know, the chop chop thing, and people still don't really know him. It was, it sort of killed me the first time he came over from Strike Force. And he kind of did it in Strike Force and expected people to know him. People were like, what the fuck are you doing? What's, what's, that, what's that? And then people Strike Force got hep to it. And then he came to UFC and he's like, got to do and expected people to know. It's like, it's like when you're, like, when you're. <laughs> Well, you're confused about your place in space. Yo, bro, you're opening for Sting. You're not Sting. So they're kind of smattering of applause for for Jacare. But, you know, he was a last-minute fill-in. Last, 39-year-old last-minute fill-in for Cockhold. Who was in attendance looking miserable? Because he's supposed to look miserable. You don't want to see a guy who's injured be there and watch the guy, the, the the single, the single. I mean, at this point now, who do you think that Cockold would want to would want to fight more? If I'm Cockold, I want to fight. I, believe me, if I'm Cockold, I want to fight Weidman more. That was easy money and lots of it. Not necessarily the same with Jacare. So I'm not saying they're crocodile tears hat, <laughs> but I'm saying there's a possibility that Cockold was really actually upset. So he was a replacement. Who knows what the fuck he was doing? Walking around, you know, who knows what he was doing? Unknown to me what he was doing prior to. Unknown. Could be doing anything. Hey, somebody on the phone for you, man. Hey, what, what? Okay, what's up? Hey, can you fight? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Okay. Don't know where he was. Don't know what his training schedule is like. Oh, I, could ask, I could ask Surau. They're, they're known associates as well. So the fight starts, and and, and you, you, the rebop in in Weidman's head. And the reason I know this so well is because I've been there. But I got that thing that Weidman doesn't have. It's called craziness. So even like if they called me up, you know, it's a part of your MMA fantasy. Hey, we need to fill-in in the heavyweights. Eugene, are you gay? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. And even as I'm getting my brain smashed against the inside of my skull, I'd be like, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than this guy. Bill Burr said there are only two types of people who do that shit, Irish and Mexicans. <laughs> you are vastly, vastly out. This is like Custer. You're like Custer, General George Custer. you outnumber 10 to 1, and you're still game because you never expected to win to begin with. You never expected to win to begin with, so you're not. This is not new information to me. With me, it's totally different. Chris Weidman, however, sees in, and it's about his cut. And you can hear when you when the mic is open, you can hear what the side of this where Matty, Sarah, and Ray Longo is screaming. They're not screaming shit about the body. They're screaming shit to buoy the guy's mind. You can hear it. And so what we need quick is. Proof of concept early, early, early. And he's working on comb- – he's like, I'm not taking this guy to the ground. His jiu is a, a pretty significant threat to me on the ground. Fuck that. No way. Stand up. Solid fight decision, fight you know, IQ. And then he's starting to have some luck uh, on the feet. Busted the guy in the nose. He's bleeding. And you can see he's like, yeah, yeah, I could, I could actually pull this off, man. And the shit that he was saying was mind blowing. My I remember before on the older show, I said I thought it was a bit of kayfabe. I thought he's just like, Man, I gotta stay in the game. I'm I'm using my mouth, I'm using my mouth to sign my check. Fuck you, fuck you. I wanna fight King Kong and then I'm gonna fight Godzilla, then I'm gonna fight. But no, 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 no. No, he's serious. He goes, Yeah, after I get my championship belt back, I'm gonna probably b- bump up and wait, work on the light heavies. I really like my chances against John Joe the fuck? yo, oh, man. That's a kind of reckless... How how reckless can you get? How reckless can you get? That's the kind of reckless crazy talk that makes me fucking nervous. If, so, if you're standing next to somebody and they start talking... I got crazy thoughts, but I keep them thoughts. That's why they're thoughts. But you to actually have these things come out of your mouth? I mean... I, you know, there's some things you could be, bro. You could be crazy, or you could be stupid, or you could be, I mean, lots a, but you don't want to be crazy and stupid. Nobody's, everybody says crazy as a fox. They don't say crazy as a clam. There's a reason they don't say crazy as a clam, because though clams might be crazy, they're not smart, or at least not as smart as foxes. So please, but he's saying this stuff, and it's like, I mean, it, it, I, I finally had to accept the reality that he believes it. He's believing what he's saying. Why are you going to accept that? How are you going to, how are you going to arbitrarily choose that Eugene, to believe what he said? Because it feels that way. And after the first round, he was like, "Yeah, baby, it is me. I'm back. Get my fucking belt back." And he starts having a little trouble the second round. And you can see things change. And it, the switch is not off, but the switch is, you know, like right before you're about to have a brown out, and the lights are like. Ugh. And, you know, he gets that. He's, he, I mean, it, it's stuff I'm seeing in his eyes. And you gotta understand that part of it now is when he looks across the cage at Jacare. Jacare is like the old joke about the about the in my old World War II joke about the Italian army. Well, we're gonna we're gonna practice, okay? But uh, we don't have any real grenades, so we got to make up the grenades, okay? So you just instead of the grenade, you just go a boom a boom a, and all the all the recruits are like, okay, a boom a boom a, all right, that's good enough. He uh, said uh, now you you got the rifle, but we don't have a rifle. We don't have it. So we just uh, we just go okay, you see you see him, he come, and you go, you go bang a bang. A bang a banger. You know when the guy you go close quarter, you get a close quarter, you get your bayonet on the front of your rifle. And you go, and you go a poker poker, a poker poker. And so the big battle comes, you know, and they go go out, the, the Italian army is against the Germans, right, the Nazis. And a, a boom, a boom, a boom, a boom. The guy keeps coming. It's, oh, shit. He goes, you know, a banger, 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 banger. The guy keeps coming. Shit, he's now close. To him. He's like, a poker, 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 poker. He finally says, hey, why you don't no fall down? And the German guy goes, tank, 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 tank. Sorry. But Weidman looks across the ring, and Jacare is like, and he said he illuminated this. He says is a tough sport. I'm a fighter. When Joe Rogan asked him about Rogan asked him about his nose, this is the job. What are you talking about? This is the job. Like I got to get through this fight. Like you know, in an ideal world, you you know, I mean, when he puts me down, I'm down. It's a kind of fight autism. It's like all this other stuff that you guys are trying to get in my head is pointless. My head has nothing to do with anything except to what I learned to get here to be here. But right now, it's tank, 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 tank. So now, at this point, what he's hoping on is just for the fucking round to end. If that third round ends without anything crazy happening, he wins on points. No way Jacare goes into New York City, Madison Square Garden, you know, and and then they would start using words like a surging Chris Weidman. A surging Chris Weidman, it, 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 you know, there's no way he's got one way out of that fight, and so he starts picking up the pace. And what I like about what I like about combat sports is that you like, you ever have a guy who does Muay Thai, and he switches over to Jiu Jitsu like we had a couple of guys who were like Muay Thai champs they said look, I got to round out start taking jiu-jitsu with you guys and it's like their <laughs> jiu-jitsu is crazy because they take the framework that they apply to 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 MMA and or to 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 Muay Thai and they plug it in to brazilian jiu-jitsu and brazilian jiu-jitsu is a little more laid back like <clears throat> It's like, all right, hey, you know what, man? Hey, hey, hey why don't you go with go with dude? I'm, I'm, I'm working on flow. I'm not trying to kill dude by 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 guard passing. Come on. So, and and I say this because you know you you look at you you uh, uh, look at Jacare, his M O was very much a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu M O. It's like uh, when does Soral get angriest with me? Soral gets angriest with me when I'm tired and therefore I stop moving because you know what comes out of lack of movement? Death. That's what comes out of lack of movement. Death. You die because you're not going to open anything up. You're not going to create anything. You're not going to generate chaos. I mean, generating chaos, you know, in other words, at, at, over a long enough timeline. I'm my bet is that you will make more mistakes than I make. That's my bet. You will make more mistakes than I make over time. And and that's how I win. So, I mean, what he saw, what Jacare saw the first two rounds or what he intuited the first two rounds is that he probably, even though he had his legs wobbled, he probably, if that was the worst and that never came again, he probably wasn't going to get knocked out by Chris Weidman, so let's turn it up and see if I can't get an opening. Let's see if I can't panic him into maybe taking me down, or let's just see what happens. And so he does what? He turns it up, and instead of responding like like the German army, Weidman panics, and I don't mean panic in the sense in a in traditional sense of the word, panic. But he, he's, he was caught up in the emotion of a moment that seemed to think, I mean, listen, the people who bullshit themselves, this is paradoxical, people who bullshit themselves the least are the most deathly honest uh, uh, with themselves. Because you have to know what the right notes are to play the wrong notes. You have to. You know, Norm MacDonald at one point does this great skit where he's talking about being a deeply closeted gay man. And Larry King says, oh, is this something new? Did you just admit to to being gay? He goes, no, I'm not gay. <laughs> it's a really hilarious story. He just keeps repeating. It's like he's looking at Larry King like I'll, I'll repeat this joke as many times as I have to to convince you, <laughs> you know, until you get it. Or not. So Weidman now in this flurry, his his panic is driven by and panic is uh, is driven by non fight based reasons. There was nothing happening that was there was nothing happening on on the physical realm that would give cause to panic. And you can tell like with jujitsu, if a guy starts moving too much, you can tell if a guy's just kind of moving because he's just moving because he wants to kind of. In case of younger guys going with me, want to tire me out. Or they get, or just just to see what happens, which is a half step toward actually knowing that. Well, if I keep if I keep going like this, that guy is gonna. If I move my hand, he'll hear and grab. So he's so Jacare is actually using employing some you know tried and true, just kind of maybe you know is the overriding orientation to world or else a a jitsu one. That's what he's applying, and so he's backed up with his back to the cage because he won't back down. Weidman starts swinging and gets caught with what appears to all of us to be a glancing blow to this portion of his head. Now, if you've ever hit anybody on or about the face, you know, you kind of break a knuckle here. Your best spot is here because it turns turns the head. Maybe get a knockout. Or you hit the ear. I've had a guy hit me in the ear in in, uh, uh, training. We were doing some MMA stuff. He hit me in the ear and i fucking went down bro and it wasn't like i was fully cognizant i was not out but it it was enough to fuck with my balance but once i was on the ground i was there right i was uh i was like able to move i could have fooled the ref quite easy but of course i started to have super bad vertigo after that and it was pretty clear to me that probably that was my third concussion first two from rugby and this one from from you know the fight club So he gets his grant, glancing blow on the head, and and his his right leg he drops, and Jacare it was that it was like a walk off walk off knockout. And But, you know, Dan, people don't give, like, Yamasaki had the balls to fucking tweet about Dan Margliotta. Dan Mergliata stopped that fight one time too early, got lambasted for him for it after that. And after that, woe betide you if Dan Margliotta was your fucking ref because he's just going to let you die in there. He doesn't give a shit, man. He's like, look, it's better to, clearly in this sport, based on how the mail is running, it's better to, to stop it too late than to stop it too early. Fuck you. And I defend Dan M's job a hundred times. Nobody, what, what, you know, I mean, look, you don't want the guy complaining. And those, and those, and those, the subsequent three or four shots that Weidman took, were not going to be enough to knock him as Tank inelegantly said on the queer street. See, I went back to Tank Abbott because it tied into Tank from the joke. Got it? So he lets him hit him, and, and you know, and then Jacare is like, "Come on, bro, come on," which was wonderful. I'm, and again, because it's Jacare and what I know of him, it's not you know, sincerity is everything. And once you got it fixed, you got that made. It's not that Hollywood thing. It was legit. It's like, man, I know what out is out. This guy is out. Please, 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 please don't make me hurt this man any more than he's hurt. And then you see that you see that fade away camera in the background of Chris just sitting on the canvas with his knees up. Last time I saw a look like that, I was at an orgy. All right. So here at the top of the hour, let's have the question and answer session. If you've got questions, uh you can you can DM them to me via Twitter and, and I will god damn it. And I will answer them. Yeah, let me see. Oh, uh, probably not. Actually, I got like 1%. I uh, have 1% on the phone. <laughs> well, go ahead. Give it a try if you want. I mean, it, I'll, I'll answer the questions until until they come in. Let's see. Do I have any? I got like, what, five here. They, uh, the, they, they, they. they, they, they. <laughs> this is where you can see disappointment before they do. Yeah, yeah. That's not a question, though. Uh, it's a comment from dude. All right. So, uh. I'm going to leave the phone there. I don't know how I'm going to do this because right after this, I'm going to do care, don't care with me and V-Rod, Victor Rodriguez for next week's uh, November 10th fight. Um, But as long as the phone stays open, I'm going to, oh, here's one. Here we go. I just noticed that you have enabled enabled visible location on Twitter. Nothing to fear from me. I'm broke in Europe and I like you, but I guess you'd want to know. I don't give a shit. But I guess I should disable that, right? Looking forward to the show. That uh, stop becoming Stalin is real. I'm surprised when I notice. It, uh, okay, have, I, it's not a question. Okay, I like it. I'll I'll answer it later. Um. So so he's sitting there with his hand, his knees up, and it's like, what the fuck do I do now? What the fuck do I do now? What do I do now? I got kid. I mean. And that's, that is the, that's not the frame of mind. And listen, let me honestly tell you something about, about guys and performance-enhancing drug use. One of the, the, the most significant things about performance-enhancing drug use or certain types of drug use is not what it actually does for your body, but what it does for your emotions. And one of the things I, I, I most noticed about performance-enhancing drugs is that it made me immune to bad news. That's what it does. <laughs> and you could say I I mentioned that to Lydia Lunch, and she goes, "Angel dust will do the same thing for you." And I was like, "You're probably right." You know, if what if what you want is to get strangled by cops, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it it makes you immune to bad news because right now now that's all that's going through Weidman's head, and in the Weidman household this morning in time that is the last place. In the world, I'd want to be. Yes, they're the quiet virtues of the love of your family and people care about you who are close to you, but that's the that's doesn't console you sh- like Sylvia said. You know, my friends all tell me uh, that it's all right, but they don't have to follow you. They don't follow you home on some cold and lonely night. A uh, pillow talk, Sylvia. Oh, your friends all tell me it's all right. I mean, these cold, alone nights. Where you have to look at you, that drives us. That drives us. Not the shit you tell other people. Like I said, some of the best liars are the people. People bullshit themselves. They know the best what because they know what's hiding in that room. That room that they're not going to open the door. They know what's in that room. And so it's like you, you Burzum is playing in the background. <laughs> happening in my house. Um, so, you know, he's got, yeah, the quiet virtues of the whole life. My kids love me. My wife loves me. That's only part of the story. Now we're talking about me and me. That's so what people keep saying. Oh, DC, he's going to fight. He's going to fight Lesnar. Well, you know what? Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That's not the dark night for, for DC. You know how I know? People were booing him. People were booing him, and I have people who were at the fight in, in Madison Square Garden, and 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 they said, "Man, it was resounding booing." I don't know if in the in the production truck what I heard, and I tried to watch the fight. I tried to watch the fight for free, at uh, at this great uh, uh, gym in Redwood City, and then I had it was like a horror movie when like. Okay, seven o'clock. You switch over, and I'm looking up at the big screen, and I can see the dude is trying to do it on Fight Pass. I'm like, man, I w- I wish I had known it was Fight Pass, bro. I would have just gone to the wine bar to start with. Cause I'm telling you, that shit's not working. I waited 12 minutes. Fuck it, got in the car, went to the wine bar, and got it right there as uh, as Israel. That's how you knocked out uh Derek Brunson. So he so there's all this talk about DC and and I said people were booing him, man. They were booing him. They're booing him. Like Denny Green once said, he was who we thought we, we he was who we thought he was. But he's uh he's a friend of Knuckle Up and he's a man. And so pretty soon after he started talk- stopped talking at smack about I don't care if I ever fight John again because he we all know he very much does care. On those cold, alone nights, he's thinking about that. And Lewis, you know, uh before the fight, he was like, Look, you know, dudes in your head. He wasn't speaking specifically about DC. He was speaking specifically about heads and loss. You've I mean Especially if the guys I know who have been as decorated as, as, as DC, and keep in mind, I've known a few, like Mark Schultz, the brother of Dave Schultz, Olympic gold medalist in wrestling, and sometimes what drives guys like that is a pathological aversion. In my mind, of course, a pathological aversion to losing. They win not because they like winning, but because they absolutely can't stand losing. It tells them things about themselves that they don't want to hear, stuff that maybe is locked in that room at the end of the hall that they would just assume leave leave, leave back there. But Chris Weidman, that shit that's in that back room, that it's coming out. It's crazy. He, can't, he can't avoid it. It helps being in the mist. That's why he says the shit that he says. Look, if I'm running over the hill in the mist by wood piles. That's a really convenient excuse for not knowing where the fuck I am and saying, hey, when I bump up, I'll fight John Jones. And then I and then I'll then I'm going to kick guy. I'm going to lay the plan for Spider-Man. I'm going to put the S on Superman. It's just like I'm going to wrestle with Hercules. I'm going to swim across the seven seas because I'm Chris Weidman. Beat, beat y'all to the beat. Come on. So D.C. knows. DC knows that the only fight for him, the only fight of any significance, the only fight, because the big lottery ticket is him and Johnny Boney Joni. And it's just, I got to know. If he beats Johnny Boney Joni, it's just a blip on Johnny Boney Joni's screen for him. But dude, could, hey, talk about MMA fantasy? He's beaten everybody. And then the finally his last fight before he retires. He beats John Bone Jones. I mean, that is so fucking tasty. I'd want to do it. And you can keep telling yourself, oh, it doesn't matter. I have nothing to prove. I'm the double bell holder. But that not, last night, people were booing him. Why would they do that? Why would they be booing him? Because he fought to win against Derek Lewis, he pulled a Randy Couture like against Ray Tony. You know, we, you know, Couture was acting like he was going to box. Couture was enough of a boxer to know that he was not going to outbox Ray Tony. Hit him with a low ankle pick, took him down and beat him up on the ground. Because hey, it's mixed martial arts. Now he said he had a hand problem, and then he had his back all twisted up. You know, I started this show. I started to breathe. And I pulled something to my back. So bonafide. Not going to stand and slug with a slugger. Going to wrestle mug him on the ground. You, you know, why would people boo that? Well, it seemed to violate a sense of fair play. Fair play. Dude outweighs him by 20 pounds. And, you know, it's like, ah, eh, well, you know what? You knocked out Stipe. It's true. And his hand is probably not 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 okay. I mean, we said we said this fight, this this fight was a nothing fight to before. It was just a fight, just to give him a fight, just to to rescue Madison Square Garden, to you know, to check a box. In other words, I thought nobody really wins this fight. I mean, if 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 Derek Lewis had won, it was like, well, man, dude's got hands like hammers, you know, DC's not a true heavyweight, big deal, you know. DC wins. DC wins is like, well, you know, dude's got a bad back. He just fought like less than a month ago. It was like, come on. You know, it, he, he is a bell holder. But what I didn't count on and what none of us counted on was the fact that nobody really was winning this fight, but we didn't count on the people who lost the fight, losing the fight. By which I mean, we, nobody expected I mean, you can live with Derek Lewis winning, losing. It's all right. You know, dude's still still who he is. He is, as he is. But if you think DC, and he's a friend of Knuckle Up, and I've traditionally gone gone light on friends of Knuckle Up, but uh, if you think DC won that fight, you're absolutely positively wrong. One implies gain. I'm going to have to say there was nothing gained by this fight. I mean, what, you know, I mean, you, you help, you your a company guy, you helped the organization. There was nothing gained from a fight perspective for this fight. It advanced to no narrative. It didn't prove anything to anybody about anybody. It doesn't even, te- he, and he starts saying, Brock Lesnar, and uh, 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 Jonathan Snowden was telling me, he goes, he's like, you know, you guys are acting like Brock Lesnar, and I go, you're acting like Brock Lesnar. We don't know who Brock Lesnar is. We know exactly. And he goes, "Well, you know what?" Since Brock Lesnar started fighting, about fifty percent of people have probably turned over. And I was like, "Ha, hmm, he's, I think he's right. <laughs> he's actually probably sort of right." Fuck, Snow Snow did me. He's right. So some people with don't. I mean, you know, they don't remember even when he started. No, okay, yeah, the guys had a legit MMA career, but. It, but but he's no you know he's no who's like a <laughs> i he's no bob sap <laughs> oh got to keep the penis out of the shot apparently he's no bob sap for those just listening on the radio I, I got a big uh oxbow poster behind me Now, Oxbow is by ban. This was probably a high point for Oxbow. You see all the top, we were sponsored by people. This was our tour poster. They slathered German cities with this poster. And somebody in one of the German cities assiduously cut out all the caveman penises. You can see the caveman there with a a portion of his penis. So um, so DC, I think, lost, man. He didn't advance any narrative that felt. I mean, the reality of it is what should have happened, what should have happened if you guys wanted to, if the Baldwin was genuinely interested in think think about this for two seconds. Just bear with me. Think about this for two seconds. If he was genuinely interested in, in generating, in generating shit that would make people lose their minds. What I would have done, my stagecraft, is to have Lesnar stand up, start to kind of make his way to the cage. And get pushed out of the way by Johnny Boney Joni, Because DC could say, you guys fight it out. And then I'll fight the winner. Um, and, and, I mean, we're not talking about... Lesnar's not got a lot of fights left in him anyway. It's not like... He, he doesn't expect to really beat DC. And if he does beat DC, who's he going to fight next? Yeah, I mean, come on. It's just, if, if I'm the bald one, I'm in the business of maximizing each and single, each and every in public engagement where I've got a book, what we call a fight. Maximize. I'm not, unless I'm looking for a tax write-off. Maximize. So, sorry. So a, uh, um. That's what I would have done, but just to mention Brock uh, Lesnar, it's New York City, man. It's a media center. Can't get these cats to show up. You make tomorrow's fights today. So he's got the two belts, and these guys, he's broken a bunch of records. And you know what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Because the Moby Dick storyline is the storyline. The Captain Ahab storyline is the storyline. Your Rocky moment sits in New Mexico. Johnny Boney Joni, And if you fucking pull that off, oh, Lord, boy, that would be some fantastic fucking MMA fantasy shit. Part of my MMA dream. And if you lose, hey, man, hey, hey. Hey, I tried. I came up short. And then, can I live with that? Much more so than if I don't try a third time. That's why a lot of us became fighters anyway. I'd rather get my ass kicked than run away. Every time. Unless it's foolish. (laughs) If Running away from something that makes it good. You know, I say, hey, bro, guys outside with a few AR-15s and a couple of other dudes and some dogs and shit. Oh, (laughs) okay. I'm going to run away to live and run away another day right now. Thank you. I don't feel bad about that at all. That's called survival of the fittest. Again, chart the flow of your life. See what moment you were your best. Now, these guys complaining about about women and not, not realizing that women women are people, you know. But men have this idea that sometimes women are like super villains. Well, you know, she did the bit that did did Oh, here we go. We got a question. Yes, I accepted the request. Okay. Um. Uh-huh. So so anyway, so so DC. If I'm DC, I shit can't Lesnar talk. You know. Um. I, I, Right now, I step out of the way. Let let uh, Johnny Bunny Joni and Gustafson do their thing, and I think I think Gustafson's head is in a fucked up place. He hasn't really fought since since then, and he's had a weird place. And he's in that place—a cold, cold, dark wake-up place of aloneness. I mean, you know, if you wake up and find yourself lacking, where do you go from there? Where does the road turn, like Diana Ross sings? Where? Where's it? Where's it go? Where's it turn? Don't know. Don't want to find out. DC, however, I think, you know, he's in there. he had that moment. His kids were there, and the kids are the belt. His little son is trying to, you know, do the tough guy thing. And that was very cute. It was very cute. You know? And his daughter's there kind of like, Well, what's the big deal? But okay, I'm here. And his wife is there giving him a kiss. All oh, you bitches out there trying to, you know, get with my man. I'm gonna, and they got her nobbies hanging out. That's a good picture. Is that politically incorrect? <laughs> Should I say presties? But it was a good picture. And I felt good about that picture until he went for it, until he talked about. And Joe, he went for fucking Joe. And Joe is a company guy. Go, Joe has got to do it. He's got to bring up Brock Lesnar. But you don't have to go for it just because Joe, Joe gave it to you to go for. I, right right away, I say that, that cokehead cheater, if he, I, that's what I'm thinking about now. I'm pulling my chair up. You can gin up other fights. I'm pulling my chair up. I got my popcorn ready. And I'm watching the mall or mall. Johnny Boney Joni. That's what I'm doing on November whenever whenever the fight is or December. I'm not even thinking about Brock. Brock. Brock's got his diverticulitis. He's got problems of his own. Right now I'm thinking about the next big fight. I'll get my kids around. And I say, kids, kids, you see that guy? That's the guy Daddy's gonna beat coming up. And Joe was talking about, well, yeah, he's DC, man. He just used to be this guy. He's gotten really media savvy. He's actually funny. It is, I don't think there's anything funny about it. It made me sad. In fact, UFC 230, the entire tone and timbre of the fight made me sad. For different reasons. Not because the fights were bad, because they certainly weren't bad. But because it is a it is a harrowing this is a kind of a biblical connotation, the harrowing it is it is I remember at one point ice cube ice tea you know, one of the ices, vanilla ice said, you know what interesting he said about prison is prison, and this is why we're so men specifically are so obsessed with prison for very much what he said he goes, prison lets you know who you really are." If there's one way to get out of the Lost Battalion, apparently, it's to go to prison. Prison tells you who you really are and where you really are, who you are elementally. Your spirit animal is what you become in prison. Now, I've never been to prison. I've been to jail. I've never been to prison. Can't, you know, I've got friends who've been. They're like, man, it's just another place. But it's this place that got bars on it and other dudes, you know? But some have confirmed that, yeah, well, you know how you are on the inside, because you have no distractions on the inside. It's just you and a bunch of other bad guys, or victims of society, or political prisoners. That's what the UFC 230 was like. Not prison as much as it was a harrowing, because I'm taking a, taking a good, real good look at some of the faces, and it's a, I, I'll give you a prime example. I'm having sex uh, with this woman. it's not important who she was, but let's say I'll tell you her father won a Nobel prize. (laughs) Just the Nobel prize winner. Right. Let's call it that. And, uh, for chemistry, I believe. And, um, and so we're having sex and there's certain noises to get made during sex, you know, like, Oh baby. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and at a certain point she starts saying, please, 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 please. But the please takes on a sort of insistent quality enough to pull me out of the flow. So I start paying attention. Please. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the tonality of the word please. It's not oh please, please, and the rest of that sentence is give it to me. That's not what I'm hearing. I'm hearing, please, oh, please come. And then I said, I, I don't want to look down. I don't want to look down at and she and I look down and I, I can see this look on her face that tells me everything I don't want to know, which is the fact that I haven't had an orgasm yet, has made her feel wanting, less undesir- desirable, and totally inadequate. So that please was a horrible cry from from a from 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 a depth. And then I did the worst thing in the world at that point. I was a younger man then. I could see it meant way too much to her. So I just stopped. I just let her off the hook. Like, all right, you know, it's taking me 15, 20 minutes to blow my load. It's not your responsibility. It's OK. It's not that big of a deal. Relax. And of course, then the narrative, I'm not good enough, was just cemented. Cemented. The parallel to this fight is pretty significant. Saw a lot of desperate faces. I heard a lot of boos. One genuine. I saw a lot of tanking. Tank. 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 So that even even you know the the misery that you get from contemplating the Weidman household on Sunday morning. Is not even counterbalanced by the kind of joy that you think that the, the Jacare household is is feeling. It's like yeah, and he felt bad himself. He said the guy's a warrior. The guy's you know, I didn't want to have to hit him those extra three times. It was terrible. Now Israel, you want a high point? You want an emotional high point? Yeah, okay, Israel, I didn't that was some shit. I'm gonna in fact. I'm going to do V-Rod show right now. I think it's on SoundCloud. It's, it's not video. It's purely audio. So wherever you hear that, that's what we're going to do at 3.30, which is in seven minutes. So I'm going to ring off of here in two minutes, charge my phone up for five minutes and see if I can't get dude on the phone. But this is very strange, right? If we use a drug analogy for, for fights, what we have is something that delivered a great kick. It was a good drug. It was UFC 230 was a good drug, but are we having a moment of clarity where we're saying that yeah, oh, man, we got to get over these drugs? Not necessarily. It's just we're having a moment where like, hey, Eugene, you want to drink? Nah, Eugene, you're a aggressive, disgusting alcoholic. Certainly, you want to drink. Nah. UFC 231. Yeah, okay. These fights were good, weren't they? Yeah, they were, they were good, bro. But you look down like that William Burroughs naked lunch moment where you actually contemplate what's on the end of your fork. You have a real moment looking at what's on the end of your fork, and you go, it's a carcass, man. It's some woman who's like, if I don't blow my load, this is going to tell her shit about herself that she'll she's never going to get back from. She's never climbing out of, she's never going to be okay with. This is looking in the eyes of a guy who, 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 who can't find his trainer and is going to go home to the sad faces of his children on a Sunday morning. Because he really believed that the conversation about him being a championship, a champion again, fighting in championships was made sense. Who does those rankings? Looking at those rankings, I was like, are you crazy? Are you crazy? How do you, how what kind of are you using the BCS? What kind of system are you using to come up with these rankings? And DC talking about retiring in March because he's got enough money now or just training kids and need the Brock Lesnar thing. Beating Derek, this back is fucked up, Lewis, who actually showed a got it. Was, his kicks were not bad. I mean, he was all right. He didn't give him the mic, so he didn't get to say anything kind of cool and funny. And that. no, man, we just got a bad batch of hooch. In other words, it was fine hooch, but it was just didn't sit sit well with us. That's what the booing was about. Anyway, I gotta go. I gotta start the care don't care preview with V Rod Victor Rodriguez. Uh, I think it's on SoundCloud. Go to uh, follow me at Eugene S, at Eugene S Robinson, or go to Patreon.com/slash The Stomper. Somebody said, "Hey, when you start Ozzy Confidential, does that mean that you're going to stop doing the 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 uh, the Stomper?" No, never. The only thing that gets me to stop doing the show Stomper is if you guys stop donating do, donating money. After the fights last night, I drove up to Oakland because a guy owed me $450. He got cute. He gives me $400. I fucking t- man, I don't fucking do this and i could see he's got cash in the wallet give me that he goes, well, what am i going to buy what am i use for drinks so i thought you had stopped drinking i don't care about that so i fleeced the guy i like fleeced money i owed i took 422 i go all right bro all right all right you know i want the rest of the money he's like oh no i get you Eugene. i get you i want the rest of the money i mean i think he was at was just going to say oh it's only 38 dollars no man i want the money i want the rest of it i don't 28 30 out of whatever i want it i want it so Patreon.com slash The Stomper. You can give a penny. You can give a nickel, 50 cents, whatever. Do it. Uh, it, it really actually helps. So, uh, But I got to go to Do Care, do Care right now. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Eugene S. Robinson. We'll see you again on Tuesday for If I Did It, immediately followed by If The Shoes Fit, PR kerfuffles in MMA, PR kerfuffles beyond. I'll go more in-depth to the, to, the, to the nature of a lost battalionage on that show. But until then, uh, look what you made me do!